Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of The Left Wing with Luke Fitzgerald. Taylor, O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man is Fitzgerald. Oh, Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Leia Healthcare. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined for the last time this season by my co-host Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. You know, we've had a lot of fun this year, haven't we? Yeah, 43, it's our 43rd podcast, over 820,000 listens on SoundCloud. Let me write that down, I want to strengthen my negotiating <laughs> position <laughs> with Dave You can upstairs. use these figures with Dave <laughs> yeah. Courtney. Right, what was, what was that again? Eight, eight million views? And eight, 800 million. 800 million listens, views, okay, yeah, yeah great. And um, you've been nice enough to bring in a friend for our final show, Ian Madigan, the first three-time guest in left-wing history. Ian, hello. Thank you very much for having me in. There's a reason for that. He's Mr. Controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Finished with a bang. No, say, it's almost as if you two were friends and you'd be able to get him in. Uh, <laughs> it is that, of course. But um, to be honest with you, Will, there's no one really, bar- there was like... There's not really anyone there that I actually wouldn't really consider a friend bar Paul Kimmage. So, um, <laughs> oh, sorry, I actually wasn't trying to make a joke. I know, it, maybe I was. But uh, no, look, I, I think um, it, it's nice to get a different viewpoint, especially when Ian's been playing, obviously, over in France and now over in the UK and on a very interesting journey. So, um, and I think as well, being outside the setup, I think um, I think it gives you a nice perspective as well. So um, More yeah. freedom to throw grenades as well. I don't think Ian's going to do that. <laughs> Not tonight. <laughs> Not tonight. <laughs> we'll see if we can bring a few out. Um, before we get into the kind of the Torah and Ian and, and your situation at the moment, I wonder you guys, I don't know if you saw David Pocock put up that photo of himself and Connor Murray when they were like 16, they played mm. against each other in the photo. Now it was great. I was wondering, have either of you any connection with any player that you played against back in the day, like long time ago now? No. No? I don't even have that many f- connections when I was playing. <laughs> no. Didn't, <laughs> yeah, didn't we, we didn't bid it. Like when teams would come over and tour, didn't yeah. really stay with with us no, uh, I think there was one or two trips Like you kind of got I think you had to get lucky um, which kind of even shows how amazing it is that those two guys were in the same year kind of playing against each other and they end up staying together and they're both probably two of the world's you know great players really uh, I think and they both will go on to be all time greats I think so um just really lucky like, well, it's, it kinda, yeah. I think that's a real look as well because I think you have to get you know like I don't think it's every year you have a you know, we ended up having a few fixtures with, like, say, Colston's and kind of some big schools in the Ivy Bridge and that over in the UK. But they never actually lasted. They're not all. They're not all. So you end up, I think, well, we did a, tri- a trip to Japan. That was our big thing, really, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. It was funny, actually. This year was a bit of a coincidence. Uh, you would have played in the game, actually. It was when Colston's used to come over and play Black Rock, just like during the year. Usually it would be mm. a pre-Christmas game. And then the following year, we go over and play them. 
But I remember Colson's had a real star sort of team. They had a, you know an aggressive scholarship program for a while um, over there, and they would have been one of the you know the, yeah, the great yeah. sides in the UK and winning the Daily Mail Cup most years. But they came over, and I remember watching the game uh, in Black Rock, and um, I would have been maybe fourteen at the time. And Tom Varndale was playing. Tom Varndale. And, I was going to say if yeah, you didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Jordan Crane was playing as well. Oh, I didn't yeah. know he was playing. And, oh, and yeah. Also, the Garrett, Shane Garrity. Shane Garrity yeah. was playing. I remember that, all right? He was Shane Garrity was special at that yeah, age. Yeah, he was excellent. Yeah, I would have thought Varndale would have been phenomenal. He was a freak yeah. of an athlete, yeah. but you could see like he was sure, when he was twenty-one, he was scoring tries for fun for Leicester and stuff. Oh, but sure. He, in fairness, he's always been an absolute try machine. Like yeah. well, I'm, I've never. I actually don't think like Habana is rapid, but. I, I still think Varndale was the quickest guy. I, I like I remember playing in a tight pitch um, over in Leicester. I think it was in two thousand and eight, and they had Andy Goo playing, who obviously had the ball on the string. Like he was a really like an excellent, really really good kicker. Knew the pitch really well, and I just remember him kicking balls out, and like they weren't going all the way out. He was kind of stretching the kicks out, but I remember like catching a few of them, and I was like, "Geez, that was a kind of that was a big kick," and you know, it was fifty, sixty meters or whatever. Turn him like this is you know a hundred percent a chance to, for a quick throw. And Varndell would just kind yeah. of appear, and I remember just being like, <laughs> what standing the there. I'm not gonna. I've, a lot of expletives the last few weeks. Gav was giving out to me. Gav, I'm gonna try and stop. But <laughs> what the? And you can fill in the blank. Uh, where did that guy come from? Yeah. And I was like, uh, like, and I knew obviously having played against him in schools how quick he was. But geez, I've never played against someone where I was so. He consistently did it all game as well. I hadn't noticed, but you, you've been muttering expletives under your breath, and I hadn't really been picking up with them in real time. And then people have been tweeting about them, and then I've subsequently. Oh really? Have back. they? Well, a couple of times you've just been like, you've like murmured the word. Uh, F- do you know F- what it is? It's where I'm working. It's kind of a bit like, uh, it's I don't know. It's it can be that it's kind of acceptable in there. Where I think I'd, uh, I'd hardly call myself a Gordon Gecko, but um, you know, <laughs> with, with any luck, <laughs> with any luck, no, uh, it'd have to be a lot of luck. I think, uh, look, it's, uh, it's, it's. Oh yeah, I'm trying to get a, get out of the habit. It's a bad habit to be in, to be honest. Yeah, More of a Jordan Belfort kind of character, I think. <laughs> yeah, same time. Uh, <laughs> um, not all the other habits, uh, but no. Listen, it's uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's 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 an interesting one. It's great to see a photo like that, and it's kind of what rugby's all about, really, yeah, isn't it? I think time. is um, all the friendships that you have after, and all the connections you have, and it's something that I think is in danger of possibly, um, I, I think, dying out in the game with the professional era. You don't have as many after after dinner kind of speeches or after there's not a big occasion after every match which I think back in the day everyone headed into the bar um, because you weren't getting any money for it like you, there had to be something else in it so you're forming all these relationships everything happened through the club you got your job through the club all your best mates were down the club you drank down the pub together you know you probably met your wife down the club whatever it was um so that 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 aspect is gone, which is why I just I thought it was like that's great, that's good to see. Like there's a connection there between the two guys. They both remember, you know, who they were staying with, and uh, they obviously kept in contact. So it's yeah, good what to are see. the chances? I mean, we were talking just before we came on air. It shows how kind of strange the rugby calendar is. Like Ireland have just finished their three test series, and you've already done your first block of preseason. Yeah. So with, with the championship, obviously there's less teams, and we weren't competing in Europe this year. So we finished at the end of April. Um, and then we're not gonna get not gonna get started up until the, the very end of August. So um, what Pat decided on was to give us a, you know a four week uh, break off, bring us back in for four weeks, and then providing you hit some hit some um, fitness scores and um, and that kind of thing. You got another either two week or one week break 
Um, so, you know, you, we're still getting an accumulative break of, you know, six or seven weeks um, over a you know, four-month period. So you should, we should be fresh come, come the end of August. <laughs> and do you think yeah. Pat was impressed by all your Instagram fitness videos? Do you think that's why he gave you an extra week? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he was he was happy that I came back and my skin folds were a bit lower than when I left. But um, no, I don't think he's too active on social media. <laughs> Not even fat again like back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think like it's it was, it was good to see. And I think like, you know, lots of people will find that stuff really informative. I mean, I was even watching, I mean, some of the exercises, you've obviously gone to a lot of trouble to figure out, you know, what was, is, sorry, actually, I actually probably should ask this question before going, but I, I presume that guy was, the guy you were training with was yeah. slightly outside the setup? Yeah, he was, yeah. Now so he, did you he, do a bit of research yeah. on trying to find him? Because this was what I was going to lead on to. It looked like some of the exercises were really interesting. You are doing some real, um, really interesting training stuff. I think lots of people are interested in all that stuff. Yeah, it was more, I suppose, like the movement side of things, mm. um, you know, without trying to claim that I'm trying to go down the, the Conor McGregor route. <laughs> <right now. laughs> um, it was, you know, like a lot of the stuff that we would have do, we would have done in, in Lancer, you know, heavy squats, heavy yeah. bench, but you're, you're quite restricted in, in the sense that you're just shifting a big weight, but you're not necessarily functionally moving. Now, we would have done that, at, you know, in, mm. in speed sessions and, um, and in, in different ways, but he was kind of trying to combine the two. So, you know, mm. you're, you're working strength, but you're also working mobility at the same time. Um, and he had a lot of background with... Um, with professional tennis players, some professional golfers, um, uh, some uh, some skiers. So he's oh, yeah. he, you know he's a lot of experience in, yeah. in different sports. He's ex army as well, so he's well able to to be a bit of a drill sergeant. A good session as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he knows how to push the thresholds. And it is really interesting because I mean I think like with different training types and as you mentioned there, like and for lots of people who are young guys, I think um, watching that stuff would have been really interesting because I think you can get fixated on. You know, looking at someone and thinking, geez, I've got to lift as much weights as, like, say, Keen Healy or uh, Porter or one of these guys. Um, you know, and you're lifting it all in straight directions. But, like, you don't, like, no one comes at you on a pitch in exactly a bench press position. So you can, you know what I mean? Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The point is that it's actually, or, or exactly in a squat position. You're not replicating that when you're running or you're jumping all the time. Now, you do. You know, you might do it at an angle. Yeah. You might do so. That I think that's a really interesting for lots of kids to have seen. I I, I remember I th I was looking at thinking, geez, that they all look like smart things to do, and I always am really interested in that. I mean, you're, well, you're generally would it just be like in a rugby setup? Is it generally just you know squats, deadlifts, and those kind of it's things, a big or, component or is it becoming more like what you've been doing, where they're maybe thinking a bit more outside the box? To what you said. I think what, they've better found? at it. I mean, like, yeah. the key thing is actually moving efficiently, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, like, as you touched on there, like, you know, you're not exactly in a perfect squat position or a perfect bench mm -hmm. position when you're on the pitch. So, you know, what what the key is is being strong, but your timing's got to be good. Mm -hmm. So if your timing's off on a, on a handoff, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't matter if you can bench 200 kilos or not. Mm -hmm. And similar in a squat, if you're not getting yourself in a good... Um, a good position for a tackle. It doesn't matter how strong your legs are. You're going to be probably falling over yourself as you're making the hit. So, you know, m my focus has probably changed from, you know, lifting the big weights. I'm still trying to, you know, mm. hit hit big numbers, but I've t probably tapered it off maybe, you know, 10% or 15%. But my, my range of movement is better. I'm moving the bar quicker. I'm moving it with, you know, a better mm. control. Um, and then off the back of that, I suppose, I'm, I, I don't feel anything's lethargic or stiff post-sessions. Mm. Um, I feel like I'm recovering quicker. Um, I just I feel a bit lighter on my feet, I suppose. And as well, I mean, like you're coming to an age now, like where I think at this age, this is when really athletes, I think anyway, um, and it might be different in different sports, um, but I think, at, you know, you and especially in rugby anyway, just from my own experience, you start figuring yourself out a bit more. Um, it's interesting to hear you talking about 
you know, and making the change towards it and trying to taper on the weights. And it sounds like it was something that I figured out probably a little bit too late was, yeah. you know, working on that efficiency of movement. I mean, um, I know you worked a little bit with, with, with Enda King out in, in, in Santry. I mean, how, how did you find him? Did you find him great? Yeah, Enda was brilliant. You know, I, I saw him when I was really struggling with my groin. Um, and I think, you know, and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there listening that would have had groin problems and, you know, a lot of, to be popular with Gaelic football and soccer. Mm. Um, that, you know, a lot of the time, groin problems don't come from your groin being weak. And you'd have known it from it's your probably own. the case with a lot yeah. of things, though, really, isn't yeah. it? Like, uh, you, you know, it could be anything, not just a groin. It could be your quad, your glutes, your back. Hamstrings, your calves, yeah. Shoulders. It's, yeah. I thought he was amazing for this. But sorry, keep going there. Sorry. Yeah, so, so Enda, you know, very much explained, to, he explained to me that, look, when you're getting groin pain, it's because other uh, areas of your body aren't functioning properly. So he... The, f the first thing he did with me was, a, you know, a complete once over on my body. Mm. And, you know, he did a pretty long list of stuff, you know, all the way from my neck down, you know, like my neck wasn't strong enough, which, you know, filtered down and was affecting, mm. you know, my thoracic mobility in my back. Um, I'd had shoulder surgery, you know, seven or eight years ago. That was pulled Moving forward on, slightly, yeah, yeah. which was then affecting my groin and my opposite yeah. side. Yeah. Um, you know, my, uh, my rib cage was flared up. Mm. which also had a, a, a you know a pulling up effect on my groin um mm. and then just basic stuff like my 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 lower my my main ab muscles were real real strong but the lower the ones, ones yeah. weren't strong enough yeah. so you know that was they were almost pulling against each other um and then um, the, so yeah, the so big part is like it's the interconnectedness of everything, and I'm so sorry. It was, I know we're, we're, we've kind of gone into the training, but which, but I just, I thought it was really interesting to see you train that way, and uh, I was really impressed by it. But uh, I suppose to come back a little bit to um, I suppose Bristol um, and the challenge you face. I mean, the Bristol Bears, the Bristol Bears. Sorry, yeah. excuse me, the Bristol. I'm careful. Don't end up by Dave Flatman and get yeah. absolute mauling. <laughs> <laughs> mauling, nice. I like it. Um, go Bears. But, yeah, go Bears. Go Bears. Um, but like. How are things there? How is the setup? You've obviously come through. You know, uh, you know, it is a challenge to get through. You see, lots of people have messed up in championship and actually not got through. And teams who are, you know, would have big budgets, are probably would have been able to compete um, in, um, you know, in the Premiership. It's great that you guys have achieved that. But what's the feeling like going into this season? Is everyone excited? Can you tell us a bit about maybe some of the signings you've made? Yeah, you know, the the, the great thing about us being in the championship was that Pat was able to come in and build everything nice and slowly. So if if we were in the Premiership last year, you know, with the with the threat of relegation, you know, there's there's twelve or eleven other really good teams in the league. So you've got to be ready from from round one. There's no um, getting off to a slow start and, and trying to make up ground because once that happens to you, every team's going to target you, and you're the you're the team that they're going to try and relegate effectively. So Pat came in and was able to build, you know, our defensive systems, our attack structure. Um, everything down to you know how our restart setup, our restart receipt, receipt setup. He was able to build this foundation really, really well. That like numbers, you know, one to fifty in the squad, and obviously one to fifteen on the pitch knew exactly where they had to be in every situation. And you know, I, initially I, I was probably thinking this is you know quite a lot of what we were doing. I thought was quite basic. But I, you know, I had a good feeling deep down, and from talking to the the Connacht guys, you know, I, I had a feeling that the layers were going to start coming then. And as the season went on, you could feel you could see the layers being added on, more detail coming on board. Um, and then that's you know that's very much been the theme so far in, in preseason this year. Um, so you know, it is it is a real advantage for us that we've had that kind of slow build up, um, and obviously we've got an extended preseason now, so we should be really fresh hit, hitting the ground running. 
Um, I suppose, you know, if you look at some of the signings we've made, obviously Char Charles Pietau coming over is probably our most exciting one in the backs. Mm. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that you just need to get him quality ball and, you know, if you give him five or six yeah, two yeah. V2s in a game, mm. he's going to make something out of, you know, three or four of them, you know, he's... Yeah. Um, and we've got some other really good back three players that I think will Yeah, you were speaking very highly of Morahan to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I saw a little bit, he was Reds, wasn't he? Queens and Reds, really quick guy. Yeah, he was Reds um, and Rebels, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, sorry, was he Rebels or was he Reds? Both. Oh, both. sorry, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I only remember with the Reds. Because yeah. remember, he scored a really good, good try against the Lions down there, yes. didn't he? Remember, yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about him, because I know you you kind of struck up a good relationship with him, haven't you? Yeah, he's... Um, He's rare in the sense he's very, very intelligent winger, which you don't get too often. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing I was a centre. <laughs> trapped in a winger's body. <laughs> actually trapped in a prop's body these days. <laughs> uh, nice, nice. I actually didn't see that coming. That was a body shot Walk there. Into it. thought I reacted okay, though. Uh, hey. I, don't worry, there's very plenty good. of time left in this podcast. <laughs> I, I can just get Gav to just keep running until, I, until an opportunity arises, by the way. Um, far away, uh, right, so you no, he's left for yeah, look, he's a fantastic athlete. Like he's got, you know, got the top end speed. You know, he's very good at changing direction. But he's a really smart guy, and he's been um, filtering in information into our centres. You know, mm. you know, improving on how they communicate with me, with the outside backs. Um, you know, both in attack and defence. Um, and he's he's one of those guys that would just come up to you, you know, twenty minutes into a game, give you one or two little nuggets of information about maybe what the, the opposition back three are doing. Mm. Uh, ask you to keep an eye on something for him. Um, and then, you know, let's say 15 minutes later, you, out of the corner of your eye, you see his hand up and he wants a crossfield kick and the space in front of him. Mm. Um, so he's, yeah, you know... A few really good ones this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. You know, it caught a few teams out of it. And, you yeah. know, it would have been similar to what we would have had, you know, back in the, you know, in the, in the, the Lancer days or when we were, we were playing in green, that, you know, it was almost telepathic. It would, have to be, it would only have to be a very small signal. Mm. It wouldn't be shouting and roaring or waving or anything like that. It'd just be a small signal that you'd know that you'd have practiced on the training field. Yeah you don't look over at him again and then boom, the crossfield kick sent that, yeah, over yeah. and the, the, the defense doesn't have time to adjust. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a few little things like that that I think will be, will be good weapons for us. Um, I suppose his, his, his lines of running are fantastic. I, I've yeah. touched on this before with the Aussie guys. I don't know if it's similar to the way we have Gaelic football here that you know, they have a fantastic appreciation of, of timing, whether it's from AFL or playing rugby league or, or playing mm -hmm. obviously uh, rugby union. But they just pick up very subtle lines, and they're able. You know, when they when they're on the ball, they seem to be just about hitting. You know, their three yeah, or four yeah. step the acceleration. Cruise, you know, I think they. Yeah. Crew, I watched. I was watching Courtney yeah. Beale brilliantly as well. He's got the gift of that change of pace, but he cruises into nice positions. Yeah. And I always think from the rugby. I always think it's a kind of a rugby league thing. I think because there isn't that many complex moves in rugby league. The basics, because it's really it's really about tiring the other team out, and that's what you know, and getting to that fourth, fifth, sixth consistently yeah. with a bit of momentum, if you can. I remember talking to Ben Teo about this, but if you like, because it's kind of wearing the other team. That's where you really beat them, is where if you can wear them down, if you can pin them down, where they have to keep defending. Yeah. But because it's not that complex, you have to do some of the simple things really well. And I think they run that. You know, when you have that lead line, they run that really well. And the guy at the back, you look at uh, some of the moves that Australia got. They were able to get to the outside channels and put Ireland under a bit of pressure, really easily all the time. And they yeah. all run the moves well. They have a good appreciation for for both the simple lines. But as you say, from your experience, I mean, I presume Adam Ashley Cooper. You talk about yeah. him all the time. I mean, he yeah. just was. I loved watching him. Yeah, play. another one. And like, it, it's not even necessarily that these guys have you know incredible top end speed. It's oh. that like they'd have a. As you said about, about Curtly Beale, you know, a good change of direction, but it's their timing. It's when they pull the trigger on yeah. that change of direction is at the perfect time 
that they can skip outside a defender and before you know it, the next defender's turned it's in, in and, it's and then on. the ball's delivered. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. That's, what they're, that's what they're really, really good at. Mm. Have you found working with John Muldoon, I don't know how much you know, you've know you dealt with him yet. I guess you haven't started the rugby portion of the preseason, but has he been around yeah. yet? Are you excited to work with him? Yeah, I suppose this, this preseason has been slightly different to what I've been used to. Um, we've we've had a lot of rugby sessions already. So like, you know, what I would have been used to when I was here with the first, you know, three, four weeks, you'd, you'd barely see a rugby ball, you know, mm. it'd be very much over to the, the strength and conditioning guys to, to get you fit and get you strong. And then the rugby would start being filtered in either through, you know, fitness games where a ball would be included or start starting to work on your, yeah. on your game plan. But Pat's, from literally day one has, has had us out doing skills and, and then we do specific attack sessions, specific defence sessions, which the, either the attack coach or, or the defence coach would take. So John has had some, he's had probably five or six um, individual sessions with the team and he's made it made an, an impact straight away. Um, you know, he's a, he's a very intelligent guy, which, you know, obviously we all, all know from here, but he's a very nice way of getting his message across. He's a nice way about him always, Yeah, he John, does. He? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's very empowering. Like, so he was, he was, um, it was an attack day and it was maybe the, the second week and um, the attack was going really well and carving up the defence. Now, it wasn't a defence-focused day and in the past, we wouldn't have been too pushed by that. Now, there would have been maybe a few guys who would have been a bit upset about it. Mm. Um, but he sparked up straight away and, you know, it was just encouraging guys that regardless of whether you're still watching the attack or, you know, that it's a, an attack-focused day, that you're still switched on and you're doing your fundament fundamentals in defence, getting your nomination right, talking to the guy either side of you um, and driving standards that way, which will, you know, encourage our, our attack to be better. And, you know, it might seem like a simple thing, but that, that could easily be a 5-10% difference, you know, in your se season and that would have a big accumulative effect. Yeah, well, I think you are what you repeatedly do. Like, I mean, building in good habits, especially in, you know, Bristol, which is, it, I mean, when you're coming into the, like, all the best teams, your Saracens, your, your I'm going to say probably, I don't know about Harlequins, but I would say, you know, Exeter, you look at Exeter, like they're a perfect example. Like you build yeah. in good habits. Um, you know, I think that Baxter guy looks like a serious coach, yeah. you know, and I think he's built in really, really good habits. You look at them at rook time, you look at all the skills. They didn't, they don't have, they didn't have that many star names. They have a few littered here and there subsequently, but yeah. for the most part, it's a bunch of guys that he is, and I think that is the blueprint for me. I think it's great to hear that, say, John Mull is in there, you know, with all the experience, having come, he's coming from a situation probably fairly similar in Connacht where, you know, you're coming from, you're not the established, you know, uh, you know, powerhouse, but you were able to be successful. I think he'll understand off the back of that the power of, you know, having the good skills base, you know, yeah. having the good habits in every day. You know, like you said, it's not a defense session, but what are we not going to defend well today? Is that yeah. is that what we do? Is that what we're about? That's a bit, I think that that's great to, to that, that you're kind of building those in. And I think as well, I'm interested to hear your opinion on this one in terms of Bristol and um, coming up from the championship, but you probably have a few guys who are probably a bit raw. Um, how, how do you think they're coming along? Do you think they'll be able to come on quickly and do you think the long preseason will be able to help them get up to the level? Yeah, like, you know, we had a competitive advantage over the other teams in the Premiership. You know, every team in the Premiership is going to look to sign the best of the championship players, mm. you know, because, you, you know, you need those guys in your squad, uh, young, good English players coming up through, um, up through the system that you hope are going to be, you know, um, staples of your yeah. squad going forward. Um, saying that, like, you know, they're, they're, they're not in a, 
a Premiership Academy probably for a reason. Either they mightn't have got the break or they weren't good enough. Or um, they didn't develop quickly. Exactly. So they might have been be, late yeah. developers. Hmm. Um, so trying to find these like effectively nuggets is hmm. um, is a real challenge. And we had a massive com- competitive advantage because we're playing against these guys every week. We're, watch- we're reviewing the footage before games, reviewing the footage after games. So we're seeing lots of them, seeing how consistent they are. Um, and fi- obviously talking to their, you know, the opposition coaches after the games, and finding out what kind of guys they are as well. Whereas you know, you compare that to to Wasps or Leicester. You know, they might send their scouts to games, but you know, are they getting as much of a feel for the players as we as we were? Mm, as, mm, you mm. know, as, as Pat was, as Connor yeah. was. So you you've know, snapped as, up a as couple coaches. of players, good players. Do you think? Yeah, I think we've snapped up some, you know, really really cupid business from the championship this year. There's um, anyone stand out to you? Yeah, there's two 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 backs I've been really impressed with so far. Piers Connors, who's with Ealing uh, Ealing Trailfinders, and then Tom Pincus, who's. Um, Have I he, heard his name before? Or did I just see it on Twitter? No, maybe? he's he, a young guy, yeah. quick. So Tom, Tom, yeah, Tom's, he's actually 26. He's very quick. But, uh, is he a blondie guy? Yeah, Sorry, from Australia. I I saw, you might have seen him because he played against Leinster A in one of the, one of the oh, games. You okay, might have seen him right, maybe that. That's why, okay. All but right. um, he, he's, he's, uh, he's come in and he's just been top of the bus in the fitness, top of the bus in the speed, okay. has a great appreciation for how to attack, how to defend. You know, he's a good Aussie stock. Um, and, he, you know, he's someone who other clubs probably didn't even look at, you know. Mm. Um, and then in the forwards, we've... Obviously, I haven't seen guys scrummage competitively yet, um, but I've been told that you know they've gone well so far. Um, and, and that's kind of a staple, like in yeah. the Premiership. You know, it's like top fourteen, I suppose, as well. If you've got a bad scrum, you're, yeah, I think you'll struggle. It can you? cost like, you the game straight away. Can, yeah. 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 How exciting is it to be in the Premiership? Like you've obviously played Pro fourteen, played international rugby, you played in the top fourteen, but. We mightn't like to admit it over here, but the Premiership probably is the best league in the world in terms of top-to-bottom product. You know, you maybe have one weak team possibly in it per year that usually gets relegated, but then even the 11th place team this year beat Worcester, beat the Exeter Chiefs, you know, they beat Leicester away. Like, and from what you're saying there, you guys have a lot of good backs yourself, Charles Pietow as well. Like, could be a really exciting brand of rugby in a really exciting league. Like, how excited are you for that? Yeah, I just can't wait for it to get started. You know, it's been a bit of a journey for <laughs> Mate, me. Mate, calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got two months to go. Why am I standing up? <laughs> Stop tensing, mate. Relax. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, sorry, go on. Anyway, yeah, no, like it, it, it has been a long journey for me to get to this point. Like, you know, if, if you look back over the last three years, you know, I had a relatively frustrating year after the World Cup because Johnny was back in Leinster. I was, you know, playing second fiddle for a large part of that season then. You know, went went to France and had the frustrations over there for you know a large part of that season as well. And then obviously um, last year had to take the you know the step back to go forward in the championship. So you know was playing in some pretty grim venues, um, you know, and not at not at a high level. So it's it's it it has been a you know a, a reasonably long road to get to this point. But you know, I feel I feel like you know I'm really ready, and I feel like it's it's coming together for 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 both me and for, and for the for the team. Um, to really have a good crack at the Premiership this year. Yeah, was there any time, I know now it's so exciting going into this season, but was there any times last year when you were going to some of the less glamorous venues when you were like, oh, Jesus, what have, what have I got myself into? Uh, yeah, definitely, yeah, because I remember Ireland were going for the Grand Slam and we were actually playing against Rotherham away. Um, now, like Rotherham's ground is like on the side of a hill um, <laughs> and we were playing them in two inches of snow. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that was my tweaking them that day. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Not so, ideal. No, not ideal. But, like, y- y- you know, you can either 
um, complain about it or you can find something that's going to motivate you there on that day and, and get on with it and you know um, you know, luckily I was able to find something small to get me through, get me through, <laughs> get me through that one. <laughs> Did you win? More important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. It doesn't matter. Then. Yeah. <laughs> we'll move on, I guess, to the to the Ireland series now. Your thoughts on that? I don't know how much of it you got to watch, or were you as big a fan, I guess, as the rest of us watching on. Yeah, I watched all of it. Yeah, I thought it was a brilliant series. Um, three really, really competitive games. That you know, all three of them could have gone either way in the last ten yeah. minutes of each of them, really. Um, no, it was it was they were the best. It was the best series I thought of of you know oh, the summer ones. Yeah, South Africa, yeah, England, yeah. France, France. Uh, What's maybe stood out to you the most watching Ireland? What what impressed you the most? Um, I I think we're just we're a very settled team. You know, we're just doing the right thing at the right time. You know, it's a bit of a yeah. cliche, but um, there's a lot of guys out there in that Irish team that just know how to win, um, and they're not necessarily you know having perfect games. You know. Plenty of mistakes in all three of those games, yeah. but it's it's the accumulative of knowing what to do at the right time, you know. And and you know the the core of that is Johnny and, and Connor in, in the halfback. So I just yeah. think they're so measured in, in everything they do, yeah. um, everything down to even managing managing the referees. You know, they're. What well, did you make of Johnny controlled. saying to the referee? I know you hate me, but you have to talk <laughs> I to me. It was weird. I couldn't believe he said that to him. I thought it was weird. I thought it was like. Uh, yeah, sorry, I don't even know where I'm going with that. I just thought it was weird. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know why. I didn't really think it was relevant. Um, <laughs> now, whether it might have helped us in the end, because, you, you know, maybe your man feels like, oh, no, actually, don't hate you. Come on over and let's Here's have a penalty. Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, I think I see a penalty for you here, Johnny. We're back, friends. Uh, no, look, I don't know. I think uh, it, it was uh, it was odd enough. But sure, look, I think at the end of the day, I think like he was it was important that he engaged him on that decision because it was a bad decision um, originally, you know, not to penalise. You could clearly see, like, I mean, sorry, Maybe it was subtle enough and that he dragged him back, but it was poor. Like it was, it was uh, important that he got that one right. Um, I see there was loads of discussion and, and discourse about it. I was involved in, the, in a bit of it as well. This is the one when this Peter O'Malley was decision. lifted by a stander and Falau kind of collided in the air. Oh God, it was 100% a hundred percent a yellow. It was right there in between a yellow and a red for me. I think the contact wasn't that big, but you, if you make contact with someone that high in the air, like if if loads of people were saying, "Oh, look, you know." You, you know you know, or we now look compete for the ball in the air. So you are, of course, but once you stop competing, once the ball's gone and you then go to tackle the guy in the air or to just t- slightly impede him so you can get him, get him on the way down, it's dangerous play. Now, if someone was to, to say to me, I saw some people were actually trying to make the argument. I think on Sky they were trying to make the argument last night and I saw Mike Tindall, I had a bit of a thing with t- Mike Tindall on, on Twitter saying about, like, Stander should do more to stop him. 110 kilo man getting pulled back by another 110 kilo man while you're in the air having expended a big energy pushing him pushing him up in the air at full extension, trying to save someone there. Like, Beast, your man, Beast, uh, that that catch he made, um, I don't know, it was on the lock, it was on a huge man, 120, 130 kilo man. The only reason he does that is because I think he was gripped into it. He'd kind of curled himself around your man's shorts. Otherwise, there's no way he's stopping him going back. Your man's landing on his head, probably breaking his neck. Like, if if they were to make the argument and say that, you know, against single lifts and say, it puts a guy in a pretty precarious situation without much much of a chance to kind of save him if there's a bad collision and it's actually at a higher level now. Um, I would probably say, yeah, I can understand that. But like, it was definitely, do you know I think it was, a, I thought it was 100% a yellow card. I thought card. it was definitely a yellow card. Yeah, I thought, I thought, it, it was it on was, the edge of a red, I thought. Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought I thought a yellow was a fair call, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What like do you think? Did yeah, you? I'd agree with what you said there. It's a very, very subtle pull, but it's extremely cynical and extremely dangerous. You know, he, f- yeah. he goes another, you know, 20 degrees and he's on his neck there you know so you, you sure. I, 
without that pull, if mm. he if he hits him in the air, or his hip hits him in the air, you know that yeah. that that's part but of it. CJ's you know? also braced. Sorry, I'm yeah. not hitting the mic. <laughs> CJ's also braced for a collision front on. Do you get me? Like his hands are behind him. So like yeah. you're lifting the guy up. This Just for guy. all the listeners, well, Luke's got both hands up in the air yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> Will is above yeah. him. <laughs> I'm actually lifting Will. Lift Will yeah. But so if, if your hands are behind, so you say you're lifting the guy and say your hands your hands are on Peter O'Mahony's arse, right? Up this way. You're expecting the collision to come from the front. Yeah. So if someone pushes him or pulls him back, so hit so yeah. he gets the collision originally, he misses the ball, ends up kind of half turning and pulling him from behind. That's pulling him to, like from that way. You're never expecting, you know, the, the weight to be going backwards that yeah. way. You, or you are possibly, but not from that. Do, do you that agree time. with a few people saying that th that kind of one man lift in that situation is dangerous? Oh, that, sorry, that was and, the point and, I just and, made. Yeah. Was that I think if you were to make the argument about that, sorry, then I think there's a, you could probably make a there's a reasonable debate to be had on that one. Um, I think anyway. Uh, but the other way to to like so, so people were actually trying to blame Stander for it, and I was like, "What are you? That is absolute garbage!" Like, I think you just no got to look at it as an individual case. He pulled him in the air. End yeah. of. It's a yellow card. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think, like, sorry, yeah. if they were to make the debate and say, "Listen, actually, those single lifts, I'm actually not sure it's that stable." You might say because yeah. even a small collision, it wasn't a big one, but even a small one, which it was wrong. Um, you know, it was fairly dire. No, it is dangerous. It is dangerous. You know? yeah. Just before we go back to the Ireland match, another refereeing decision. What did you make of John Lacey's blocking line? Oh, in the well, I, I actually like John Lacey. Big that was a stinker. A big fan. I think he's a great ref. He is a good. Yeah. He's actually a good fella as yeah, well. No, he was a stinker. Yeah, it was an absolute stinker. Yeah. I, I don't know how he, because especially because he's a former player himself. So surely, he, of all people, he would know the impact that that would have on someone making a tackle. I just found that. But guys are kind of like. Like, I remember I, I had one against Wasps a few years ago, and I'm pretty sure they probably were going to score in the corner anyway. Uh, but I got the pen because I was in the right position and I made a big fuss about it. Um, now, I was going to tackle him definitely, and there was a chance, you know, you have to take, there was a chance he was going to spill the ball, et cetera, et cetera. There was a few things like that. What's the you, you went into? So, so people will actually, like, you know, if you're in the scenario and people will make a big deal about them, it's probably part of everyone competing. Because there's something. no law that covers what happens when a defender tackles the referee. That's not. A, there's not a no, law, and that's a good point. And I think mm. it's very important that you know John should have called that back for a rescrum because we don't want players going in tackling refs and having to tackle them to prove their to point. Prove you were get we don't there, want. Yeah. We don't want to go down that route at all. Mm. You know, they're out there to protect the players to referee the game. Yeah. You know. Um, there was one angle. I will say there was one angle. When you look at it on the on the head on, it there. doesn't look great. He's miles away, uh, and knowing Batiste, he's not a fantastic tackler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I uh, think the point is that if there yeah. is a little bit of doubt about yeah. someone, especially when it's thirty meters out, call like, it back. Well, it's it's it, even if he clips yeah. him, even if he clips him, there's a chance he falls over. Yeah. He slows down. Someone else gets in and tackles him before he gets to the line. It's a long way out. Mackenzie's yeah. really quick. You probably aren't going to stop him from there, but still. I think like you, it was a bad decision. Look, I think yeah. I, I think he. And I think he'll accept that. Of all teams, or the All Blacks again getting the rub of the green. I know that annoyed a lot of people too. It did. The one that annoyed me more was actually the Leonard Brown one because, like, oh, sorry, probably harder to pick up that one. But like, that was really dangerous play. People do it a lot actually. They push, they yes. push the guy chasing from behind. But if you're all your momentum was forward and you're still running forward and you get pushed from behind, and that was really dangerous. Like yeah. Bowden Barrett, I don't know how he saved himself. He managed, if you look at him, he gets clipped properly around his ankles. Um, and he manages to somehow tuck himself, like just before the fall, tuck himself up. So, like, because it can be kind of disorientating when you get taken mm -hmm. out like that. He understands where his body is, probably because he was so high, and he somehow manages to save. That could have been really bad. Like, that would have been, like, you know, would have been awful to see something like that. Um, but I'm glad they rescinded the yellow card at least. But it was just another one that went against them. I think the French get. 
for whatever reason, I think it's a language barrier as well. They seem to, they, they can't seem to apply pressure. Now, I don't think they're very disciplined anyway. No, they um, don't help themselves. They don't help themselves. No, but they, 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 they mm. didn't get the rub of the green over there at all. No. Um, I did think, I will say about the French, I was very, very impressed. Their, their three first half performances were brilliant. Were brilliant. And they're, like, they're and they got shot because yeah. they should have had more points. Yeah. They had two tries there that I think, yeah. one against and one four that I think were pretty harsh. Like, they could have yeah. gone, they should have no, been. No, yeah. they look good. They look good yeah. in patches. Like, Fafana coming back at the weekend, He's scored great. a great try. Fafana Lamarat. Fafana so Lamarat are a great combo. They are. I like yeah. Lamarat, man. I remember. Fiku is a good winger. He's not a great centre, but he's a very. They're playing on the wing. I missed yeah. that. Yeah, sorry, I, I didn't even notice that. Sorry, yeah. I wasn't even looking at that. I was looking at all the instances in the game. I, didn't watch <laughs> the game. I was like, "Geez, that was a shocking." Yeah. I didn't actually watch. Yeah, all like, stuff. why would you do a bastard? Like, would you have him in that team? Because he, he, in the Six Nations, he was a bit of a talisman for them. He's like, a he, nice foil to have. Do you think? I love yeah. having someone like him. Like he, the problem is, he, you're if you, you it's need a completely different else. game though. I feel like if you're starting, but him. if you have Fofana there, for example, and uh, Lamarack goes down. You know, then you can put Fafana on the wing. Yeah. Do you get me? Or sorry, uh, sorry, the other way around. Sorry, if Fafana goes down, you can put Lamrat in the centre and Bastro there. But if, if Fafana, or sorry, if Lamrat goes down, uh, Think can still go on the wing. You know what I mean? So you have variation, guys who can play different positions, or Fiku can come in. So I think someone like him on the bench could be quite nice because if you're really stuck and you're playing a really physical team and you're saying, do you know what, actually, we could do with having someone who can just get us over the game. Yeah, the we're not getting are bad, or you know, yeah, he'd be a great yeah. guy. To just and he's get so you good for getting over the ball time. for a few turnovers if yeah. it's a slow game. Um, yeah, like he's a nice guy. I think that like he he's a, he's become for me uh, like if they, when when they're when all their guys are there, a fellow who you'd pick on the bench because I think he brings you something different. Mm. Uh, would be my view on it. Um, or you could start him in a game like a really wet day and you say it's yeah. actually not going that quick. And that guy's an uh, he's a nightmare because he's like another he's like a Dylan uh, and like an Armitage sorry not a Dylan. Uh, Stefan, yeah. Stefan, you know. Just moving back to Ireland now. <coughs> They're second in the world. They have the highest world rankings points total they've ever had. And mm. I saw someone saying earlier, like jokingly, that like the way Ireland and they're talking about winning the World Cup potentially is a bit like England getting carried away into soccer. But like, do you think realistically, in that we actually do have a good chance to go out and actually win the World Cup? Oh, I think if you look at the teams we've played against over the last two years, you know, we've you know not not you know beat New Zealand, won a test um, in South Africa. Mm. Won the series in Australia, you know, back to back Six Nations. You know, if if that's not enough to to put your hat in the, the, the ring to to be, mm. you know, winning the winning the World Cup, you know, I, I don't know what is. It's only about like four teams really who can win a World Cup. when we've never gotten past the quarter final. It does feel a bit presumptuous to be maybe. It does, but look, I think there is only four real teams. I think who are like you should you should uh, percentage wise you should beat all the other teams. Like you should, we're better than them. Um, so like we need to be comfortable saying that now. Uh, I think like. The hysteria and all that. Look, I think we can leave that aside. Like England beating Panama six one, <laughs> and they're, like they're like I, Keno, the best clip of all time. You see Keno, yeah. this with Gary Neville. <laughs> in fairness, you have to like Gary Neville and right. They were able to laugh at themselves, but uh, in fairness, like I don't think there's mass hysteria about it. I think people still know that. Like say that New Zealand win was really was great for us, but they were missing four. Of their this November first, will be huge. They're missing their first again. four locks. What was more encouraging to me actually was, was again another shafting by the referees, but the match actually the week after was actually more encouraging for me where we had them in Lansdowne Road and uh, Aviva and yeah. sorry and Fekato should have been sent off in that game and you could argue Kane I think I think Yellow was, was fine I actually got really unlucky with Robbie spinning into that tackle but they should have had a red card with 30 minutes to, left to play and that was still a tight game that was like 10 points yeah. 11 points wasn't it in the end it wasn't sorry maybe maybe even less but that was more encouraging for me and I think being able to go down like Australia the last game they played they beat New Zealand at home like they're bloody good at home they're really hard to beat, yeah. and I think we, if we'd played our full, if we'd played our full team in the first test, 
uh, I think we probably would have beaten them as well. Um, uh, it's probably you know you're, you're, it's presumptuous, but I think with, with the starting pack playing that one, I think we would have had a really really good chance, and probably I think Johnny Sexton would have made a little bit of a difference as well. I think Joey is actually I'd be interested. We'll get a, uh, an opinion on him in a second. But what what did you think of the of the stuff? Where what did you think of the tours as a whole? Yeah, I, I thought it was brilliant. I would agree with you that if they'd started their full strength team, and I'd be interested to get Ian's opinion. It's funny because basically the only player really that was missing. Like they were missing Johnny Sexton and Keane Healy and Tyke Furlong, I guess. So that, that that's pretty good players. That, they're pretty good players. To be I, th- fair. I think at, uh, at the moment, I don't know. I think all those three guys get into a World Fifteen. Uh, you can because uh, you can make a case for putting maybe a Bowden Barrett at full back, but a very close call between Johnny and like they're different players. But um, geez, I don't know. I think like I don't know who's better than Keane Healy and, and Tyke Furlong. Mm. I, don't. I think like if, if Johnny doesn't get World Player of the Year this year, I'd be shocked. Yeah, know? I was going to ask yeah, you that sometimes yeah. that he'd yeah. be your pick. Yeah, definitely. But you know, he's he stands, stands alone on it. Without, yeah, yeah. Um, won everything he could this year. He's been he's been he's been yeah. phenomenal. Really. Especially in the other guys have been a bit injury interrupted. You know, like he'd always make the case for Bowden Barrett or whatever. He's just so pretty good. Like yeah, but, um, and maybe a Kieran Reed, but he's been injured as well. So, um, yeah, like I think this, if there's ever a time for 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 someone to win it, I think it's probably this year for Johnny. You know, yeah, and. Just Luke mentioned it there on Joey Carby. He obviously got the start in the first test and his move to Munster, I guess. He has, a, he has a similar situation that you, I guess, would have been in in terms of maybe not getting as much game time at out half as you'd like and now being forced to go elsewhere. Like, what's, what, what have you made of how his situation has played out? Um, yeah, look, it was, you know, obviously a lot of to and fro and it wasn't, you know, it's never ideal when it's played out as publicly as that. Um, you know, ultimately, I'm, you know, I think he's made the best decision for himself, you know, and I think he'll... he'll He'll go down there, and Munster will very much be his club. I don't think he's going to be looking back up the road to Leinster, thinking he he's going to be back in two years. No, I, th- I think if he is looking back up the road, you know, mistake. It won't work you're, out. Yeah, you're teed up for mm. for it not to be a success. But like knowing him and the, the, the kind of guy he is, he's going to go down there and give 100% commitment t- to Munster. Um, and I've no doubt that you know he'll bring bring that bit of X factor to uh, to that backline. Um, you know, and you know they've been building building over the last two years. You know, just you know very close to. To been able to get a bit of silverware, and you know maybe he's the he's the. Uh, the do you, do you think at all about? I I I kind of made an observation. We had an interesting conversation myself and Will about it a few weeks ago about, like with Zebo leaving at fullback. If Blaindale gets back fit, like what do you do? Do you do? You, like, yeah, well, like it, I suppose it all depends on how Haley fits in. Uh, you know, he's a very he's, good player. He was very good this year in the Premiership. You don't probably know more than yeah. me on that one. I yeah, I, was, no, I don't good. know anything about him to he's, be honest. Yeah, he's quick. He's very good in the air. Um, you know, very good kicking game. Oh, I think. Okay. I think he. So he will start. He'll, he'll okay. be in the. He'll be in the twenty-three every week, and I think he'll really push for a starting spot. Yeah, because uh, I, I had a feeling maybe Andrew Conway might fit in there nicely. Yeah, like there's gonna be there's a lot of people lining up that fifteen jersey. Um, yeah, yeah, like and you know Bomber's been you know Brom, Bomber's a brilliant fullback, but he's great. He's great yeah. in the air. He's, for uh, a small he's been brilliant guy. on the wing as well. Some of his finishes. Some of his finishing this year was. Yeah. It was the real X factor stuff that we saw saw with him you back know. in school. Yeah, yeah. 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 He was he, the bit of footwork but, uh, for the Toulouse, Toulon try was brilliant. Yeah, you know, he just terrible looks, defense, looks really good. Brilliant finish when he got the, got if, the if Joey is kind of moved mm. to fullback, perhaps if Tyler Ray and is fit. You know, in your experience, how difficult is it when you are being moved from position to position and then you're asked to go in and play out half, say for Ireland? Do you feel like you're not putting your best foot foot forward if you haven't been playing there mm. all season? Yeah, it, it, it's it's not ideal preparation. Out half is one of those games that. You know, um, one, two, three games, you're getting a bit better. Fourth, fifth, yeah. sixth game, you're really starting to peak. Then you know you're 
you're getting braver playing on the gain line. You're building, you know, the massive part out half is building but the relationships. People get better positions around you. Yeah, That's they the do. Same. They they yeah. start learning off where you're standing. You know, what mm. kind of passes you're delivering. How you know how close to the defence you're, you're delivering the pass. Um, you're building the relationship with your centres, with your back row, with your scrum half, with your mm. back three. And it's it's like these mini conversations that you're having throughout th- training sessions. You know before games, during games, post games. And it's the accumulative effect of that over four, five, six games, over a season, over two seasons. That's when you start to develop something, you know, really, really special. Yeah. And you could see that even, you know, when, when Johnny, you know, came back from Racing, you know, it didn't it didn't happen straight away, you know, when he when he came back. It, it you know, it took a bit of time. And, you know, now if you look over the last last two years and and especially this year, it, it's telepathic with the other guys yeah, on, really on the good, field. Yeah. It's you know? really good. So, and, you know, I'm sure it's... You know, Joey's going to go down there and he's going to, you know, be, be a success, but it's going to take a small bit of time. Now, I know he'll have built up some good relationships with the guys in um, in Irish camp who, who are They're all are good from guys. Monster. Most yeah, fellas are yeah, good lads. Like, they are. Great guys. He can fit in nicely. Yeah. And, like, you look at even Andrew Conway, like, he's really... Felix Jones, another guy. Like, they were real Leinster guys. Like, you know, you listen to... Yeah. You listen to, to Andrew Conway speak, or you listen to Felix Jones speak. They don't speak like Munster lads. They're proper <laughs> Dublin, like they're Dublin lads. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, and like it, it, it probably would have seemed like a big change at the time, but it's a brilliant club. And w- once you're one of them, yeah. you're one of them. Um, and I think if you put it in for them, um, they really, they, it's a really super place to be. Like it's like yeah. Limerick is the home. Limerick kind of is the home of rugby. Really, like everyone, it's the one place in Ireland where, like. Rich or poor play, you play rugby. You know, everyone plays. It's brilliant. It's one of the. It's the real. I think it's the real heartland of it. For like the amount of like really good rugby players they produce per head is like the best in the country by by a mile. You know, so um, I I think it's a it's a great move for him. I think I would see like I I would love to have seen him possibly at fullback, but it looks like. I was kind of, I was really, it was great, like it was great to see. It was awful sorry to see Rob getting injured, sorry, but it was it was great to see Jordan Armour get a run of fullback because it's the one position on tour. I was like. Well, like every other position, he said, actually, I need to give someone else a go and have a look. Fullback's the only place he hasn't. And with Zebo gone, um, kind of the, like he was the incumbent. He would have been playing ahead of Rob if he hadn't gone, I think. Um, you know, I, I have to say, like, we're looking a bit, the only place I'm thinking where you look a bit skinny, to be honest. Yeah, you know? it's a vital position as well, you know. Mm. Um, and Joe is very, very dependent on his fullback. And I think that's why he picks Rob, you know, because he knows exactly what he's getting out of him. And in fairness, he's been extremely consistent. Um, you know, Bar, yeah, he 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 had a bit of a wobble in. I think it was maybe the first first half of the first test. Was it? Or I think Falau got in on him a few times and he dropped two balls. Yeah, yeah. But like in fairness, he's had a really consistent season, as you say. No, he has he's always I, consistent yeah. for Joe. Yeah. Joe likes that. I, I think he's I think he's really up his game this year. Yeah, um, you know, he, he, he and I'd still love to see a few yeah. passes from him. Yeah. Just, it's I, the one thing in his game where I just feel like, you, you know, he doesn't. I, I've never seen him put his winger away. Um, you know. Uh, it's it's just it's the one area where you you open up that side of the pitch if you can stay if you can if you can hold your width from your center yeah it makes the opposition he doesn't do that well uh, I think he doesn't his passing is poor from right to left like it's just it's one thing he, I think he if he gets that to his game and he's really capable of it, he actually yeah. is a nice passer of the ball I think he tightens up in the game sometimes I just feel like that's where Joey or someone because if you don't play if you don't have a third playmaker and you'll notice really yeah. as a ten if you don't have a third playmaker all the action happens there. Like that's why that's why Brian O'Driscoll's so great is because or Easton Asi were playing a fullback is so great in terms of an attacking perspective is because all the actions happening on them yeah so because the defenses that you can get like you can put pressure on ten but it's quite rare unless it's a bad pass or you're really going backwards that you you always get the the other pass away but if you can get that nine ten that next pass away to someone that's when you break teams down. 
because they're they're up close, all the action's close. Someone makes one wrong bit of footwork, or someone shapes badly, or someone runs a good decoy line. That's where the action happens. So, my in a long way, the point is that if you do, if you play Bundy Key and Robbie Henshaw at twelve and thirteen, you're really strong defensively, but you don't get. Like Robbie, I think has improved there. He plays better for Leinster there in terms yeah. of handling ability. Um, I think he has it in him, but he doesn't do it for Ireland for whatever reason. I think it's probably a mindset with Joe in terms of winning collisions and and and, and turnovers and and this kind of stuff hanging on to the ball. But if you don't have a playmaker there, it, it really limits you. And I think you saw that with Ireland. You saw they were finding it really really hard to break teams down when they got into the twenty-two. It is the hardest place to, to break teams down because you don't have to really defend the backfield there, yeah. so you can slip extra guys into the line. But that's why Ireland weren't breaking teams down. I, I, I don't know. Do you, uh, you don't have to get into as direct as that about it, but just in terms of that other playmaker. Yeah, like the, the other playmaker thing. If, if you look at how you know teams practice their defence in training, a lot of what they practice is you know around the rook. You know, so let's say rock if it's around the rook, 20, 30, 40. is in like you know second defender, third mm. defender, fourth defender. You know, maybe fifth defender. Um, you know, and you, you want to be rock solid around there. So what do you do if nine runs, you mm. know, wingers coming in here, you know, switches, how we defend the 10, how we defend runners off 10. And, you know, you, there's only so many different variations you can do with that, you know, covering inside passes, whatever it is. And teams are very good at that. It's mm. when you can deliver, a, you know, a very fast pass from your first receiver to, for example, Joey out in the, you know, in the wider or channel. Or like Gary Ringwald he's, or he's been, Scanlon yeah, or whoever exactly. it may be. Gary's been there. Um, you know, and five seconds before he's been delivered the pass, he's organised. You know what Tyke Furlong's doing off him, mm. and what um, Jordan Lamour is doing out the back of him. Mm. And suddenly Gary gets the ball, and he's running loaded with his footwork and his speed. Tyke's coming like a train short, so they have to respect mm. that. And then you know he someone overreads yeah. or whatever it exactly. might be, and you have someone who can pick a hole. And yeah. all Gary, you know, Gary's just looking to see who's going to bite in on him, mm. who's going to leave him, and he'll take the space. Or else, if not, then he's going to ship it on to Jordan, and then Jordan will have the same mm. the same options on you know on the next yeah. uh, pass of play. And that's where you know if you do that over and over again, let's say you do that ten times, you're only looking for a def- defender to get it wrong, you know, yeah. two or three times, and that's you know they're, they're the line breaks that you need in a game. But if you're not having that organization. You can end up looking like a very blunt side. I think as well, a big part of it, Will, is also in terms of actually being a playmaker, people know you're a playmaker who are playing with you. So they actually get in better positions. It's like a double-edged sword for you because if you're working on it and you want to improve it and you know, geez, I need to get that bit of playmaking into my game. If people aren't expecting passes from you, they get in rooking positions because they know you're going to be, they're like, well, no, I know I'm not going to get a pass from him. So I know he's going to carry it in. So I need to be ready to rook and retain the ball. So you actually, you end up, it, it's a double because you end up if you don't do it if you don't practice if you don't look for other people in the game the defence knows that too so yeah. they end up condensing it ends up being way more the difficult for you there. but you never get yeah. any pure one-on-ones well, it's funny just even hearing you kind of outline that scenario there you, you can tell like the out half mind at work there's just so much happening you have so many options to survey like can it be a bit overwhelming sometimes when you when you do have I guess you have the command of your team and it's up to you to pick each option and you're kind of assessing everything you know you mentioned earlier a small hand gesture to the corner of your eye could set you this way or that way. Like it must be kind of overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, I, I suppose as, as what you want as an out half is you want the information to be coming into you, um, and you know the, the the higher the quality of information that you're getting, you know, delivered, the easier it is for you to just know what you have to do and execute. So if someone's telling you to throw a miss pass, all you have to concentrate on is catching the ball and delivering a good miss pass. You know, whereas if no, no information is coming in, and you have to catch the ball and look out, and then suddenly, decide, and then suddenly decide, right, what are we going to do yeah. here? 
you can look like a very indecisive player and that all takes time. I and mean, you've got guys, you know, charging up with you in the defensive line. The time runs out pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few big boys looking for you as yeah. well, gunning for you. The thing yeah. is as well, like as you say, with the information coming in clear and concise, you'll 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 be practicing seeing these pictures in training all the time. So Ian's... Oh, yeah, when you say the information coming in clear and concise, where's it coming from? The, it, the information should always, always come from the outside. It's why I have a go at guys like uh, defensively because the in, good information, what you're deciding... So you'll have three three defensive systems. Like we, um, call it three, right? I don't know what other teams are doing, but call it three. We're coming hard if they're not set or if we're set and we've got more numbers. If we're not sure, but we want to put pressure on them still, we feel like we've got good numbers, we call it medium. Um, you know, if we're, if, if we're in trouble, we'll call it whatever, soft or whatever it is. Who's the, who has the most time to decide that? Who knows what kind of... Like, it's the guys Who's on the, the outside. Yeah. It's the guys on the outside, your centres, your wings, your full back, your nines who's sitting at the back of the line who are surveying the pitch going, do you know what, actually... I actually can't get in the line here because the winger's out wide waving to Ian Madigan here. There's a crossfield kick on. I now have to sit back. So I need to tell the lads, go soft because I'm not in the line. We're down numbers. Or, do you know what? I see, you know, Luke Marhan's tucked in behind. He, he's not ready for a crossfield kick. They're nice and tight. Hard, hard. That has to come well, in from, from an outside. attacking perspective. Same thing. So Ian Madigan all week is, he's practicing moves so that you'll have your forward setups. Call it, everyone will know, two forwards sitting outside your 10 and you'll have a back sitting in behind, right? They're, you're practicing that shape. If the, if the defense are coming in, you know, you want to go out, you want to, you want to call out the back. But the key thing actually really is actually the setup. Everyone being in the right position. So Ian, he, so Ian just, he's looking at the ball, right? He hears the call. He knows there's going to be, he pictures the shape outside that he's been practicing all, all week with the lads. All he has to do then is picture catching the ball and has to just make a read on the defense. He'll, he'll, he'll feel the shape. You'll yeah. feel the shape. And then he knows which one it is. So the key thing actually, like the guys can call it, but oftentimes you can't, the call isn't, is too hard because it's split second, you know, and you mightn't see it until too late. But the key thing really is that the call isn't early to Ian or to Johnny Sexton or to Connor Murray or to Luke McGrath or to Kieran Marmion, that they know they're looking at the ball, picking it up, or you're catching the ball, they know what to look for outside. They know, okay, Tyke Furlong, James Ryan are in a perfect position here. And I, what I should see, I mightn't see him here, but what I should see in the corner of my eye is Robbie Henshaw at the back. And I think that's the, like really good guys. When you get, and Ian talked about it earlier on, I think, and it was really pertinent, I think, a really important point is that, you know, good information, clear information makes those those split second decisions way easier and guys have to There's get a used perception, to it I guess the perception for, certainly from watching on that Johnny just makes all the decisions but you're saying that's not so no he, I think people get used to playing with him like and he demands he demands the information if you call something to Ian's actually brilliant at it as well playing what, what you see but you need time in there and I think that was why I think like as you said you need to be playing as a 10 like yeah. a lot because guys get get timing off you. That's a big thing. So the shape you see has to fit in with what's being like what what you're playing against and your style of play. So if you don't play with the guys often enough, so like it's really hard when you're playing in a playmaking position and the pack is going backwards. So it's hard. You've less time to get the timing right or the positioning right, um, and and also everything's you know. And if you don't play with the guy enough because you don't know his habits, you don't know how quick you know. Ian might like to play a little bit flatter than say a Joey Carberry or um, whoever whoever you think of. And all these things are really hard. You have to get time with the guys, and that's why being a sub a sub out half or a sub nine 
really, really difficult. You need to go somewhere and be playing, especially in those positions. Well, do you think? I'm a, sorry, I know I went yeah. on for ages. Do you think any of that's making no, any no, sense it, to you? It, it does. And or, like, like on the on the calling stuff, like so, you know, the, the out, what's coming in from the outside is they, they might be calling a specific shape to you. So it's basically letting you know we're in shape and this is on, and you'll know that you've got option A, B, and C on that shape, depending on what you know probably the defence are doing or what personnel are out there. But no, it's exactly that. But, you know, on that point, like when you talk about, you know, it, it cracks me up when I'm watching games on TV and you hear commentators talking about, you know, the depth of the out half. Mm. And, you know, they're always critical. Oh, he's sitting back. He's sitting back. You know, he's seven, eight, nine, ten yards back from the from the gain line. Um, and I'd look at that and I go, yeah, but it's probably because he's getting no information from his outside. So he's he has to buy himself a bit more time. He does that by sitting back mm. in the pocket. So he wants to, you know, catch the ball, look out, see what's on. Whereas... You know, I know myself, when I'm getting good information from the outside, I'll step right up onto that gain line and look to really put defenders under pressure to make sure they're making the right calls. Because I know on a specific shape, you're going to have runners running split lines that are going to really challenge defenders. And if they get it any way wrong, you know, the miss pass is sent out and he's on his three-step acceleration and he's gone. You know? It's funny you mentioned like watching TV and, and, and you're hearing that kind of thing. Is there any other kind of misconceptions about playing out half that maybe the average punter, the average fan might have that you kind of just hear and you're just like, no, it's actually a lot different to what you might say there? Um, yeah, like, there's, you know, the, you, commentators love throwing out like the, the game management one, you know, like what even is that? Like, you, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, it's like game management, it's just making, tactical it's, kicking, making good it's making good decisions consistently. So when you say tactical kicking, like, you know, one of the reasons why I'm getting on very well with Pat is like, you know, a, a good spot, you know, tight kick into the corner and the, and the crowd go crazy. Like, and he goes, well, you've just given the ball away, you know? Yeah. So, you know, but then at the same time, it could be a massive reliever of pressure. It could be the right call at the right time. Mm. So kicking the corner could be a great call and he could love it. But if, if he feels like we've got momentum and attack and they've got a guy in the sim bin, the last thing he wants me to, to be doing is kicking the ball mm. into the corner. But I think that probably falls under the game management thing, though, Mads. Like, and what I would say is, I actually, the thing that actually frustrates me a bit, and I've never, I've only ever played like underage at this, at this, but I know I've played the game. Like, the key thing for, for, and it ties into the big conversation we're having here about it is, those decisions are all really, really hard all the time if you don't get momentum. If you're not going, if your forwards aren't getting momentum, if people aren't in the right positions, if yeah. people aren't giving you information, if, for example, you know you're 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 not set in a good shape when the, when you have an opportunity to attack, um, is that winger going to come up flat in the line? Because he said, "Geez, I actually, you know, I need to come up in the line here, run a bit of pressure," and then it opens up the kick over the over over, over his head. The, like if if the team aren't in good shape outside the ten, those decisions are all way harder. They're all way harder if you don't get momentum and you're going backwards, like. What are you supposed to do? Because no one can get in a good shape. You know, no one's ready. Yeah. They're in they're in a position to just go at you as hard as they can. You've way less time. That's the thing. When I look at the game and I say, oh, you know, the, you know and, and I think there was, they said it, the, the big one for me actually just currently actually was the Joey Carberry one. I actually thought he had a really good first test against Australia considering the pressure, pressure he was under. I thought the pack didn't get any momentum. Now it was down to Australian pressure as well, but they got no momentum in the tight. They weren't able to hang on to the ball. Um, and off the back of that, every single decision he made was under pressure. Nothing. He got no time to for he like the, he got no time to see an, an opposition player making a mistake to be able to take advantage of it. And that's a big. A, that's a big difference. Like all he can do all day in that situation is just play the first thing he sees. He has no time to actually go. Actually, look at that guy. He's flat. There's a crossfield kick on. Mm, do you know what? I think that I've seen the nine slipping into the line here. They're going to have no one in behind. There's a chip on. Yeah. Or 
you know, uh, look, that's you know, all he all he's going is, geez, I've got to get the ball out of my hands quickly, so I can set up the next play. Hopefully, we get momentum off this one. If we don't, same thing again, same thing again. When I look at the game, I think so much of play, being a playmaker, and I I do pity a lot of guys who don't play with a good pack. Like you look fairly bloody average if your pack is going backwards. Like it's so key. Now you can help them, you can guide them around the pitch, you can help definitely get the momentum. But if you don't get it, I tell you it's the worst position to be playing in. Uh, you know, unless you've got good support around you, it's such a key that like you control it, you do help, you know, guide the team around. But if people aren't in good positions around you, if they don't spread the pitch, you get no space. All these little things—that's the frustration I think. Do you, do you? I mean, you can't really say. It. Maybe you can say it. That would, would that yeah. be a frustration for you? No, it is. Like if you look at if you look at you know Raj, like he was you know without doubt probably the best tactical kicker of all time. Mm. But you know when was he making his kicks? Probably off the back of a strong carry from his forwards. The defense are going back. They can't get any pressure on his kick space mm. the, the winger the winger's out of position because you know mm. you've just you've just regained momentum um, and then boom the spiral kick goes into the corner mm. you know you turn that around and you go a bad carry and then another bad carry and they're in the blocks ready to get at your mm. foot the wingers are sitting in the corner you're not going to look like a brilliant you know tactical kicker then yeah I think and I think as well the positions people take up outside you give you space so like if you have good centres you know like I mean Johnny has you know Gordon Darcy and, and Brian O'Driscoll and Gary Ringrose Robbie Henshaw uh, you know, Raj at the top had, you know, uh, Rui Tapoki, and you have Trevor Halstead. Halstead, what did, like he was a brilliant player, Halstead at the height. You know, and like, uh, sorry, the the bigger point is, I'm not to take anything away from these guys because there's like, and and, and your Ian Madigans, your Ron O'Gara's, your Joey Carberry's, your Johnny Sexton's, all brilliant rugby players, right? The point is that it's what, and what I love about rugby is that it's a pure team game. Like, those guys help guide you and get you in good positions. And if you play with them often, you get in better positions, you get the timing right. But it's the interconnectedness of everything. It's like a simple, it's a really, really simple game, and but also very complex in some parts. But it's very simple. If you don't get momentum, those guys who are running the show, it's a completely different game for everyone. Yeah. Like, that's the key thing. It's That's why I harp on about it all the time, your fundamentals. It's why Joe Schmidt's such a good coach. It's why the All Blacks are always great. It's because their fundamentals are really good and it allows them to get momentum in all, the in all the tight spaces and it makes the game way easier for everyone involved. And I think that's why we love it, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's, and it's still a simple game, Will. And listen, just before you go... Um, I, I kind of, I suppose I've been in the situation myself where I kind of was, you know, finished my career um, and wasn't really set to, uh, I suppose wasn't really set to get into the to the business world. I mean, have, have you been prepping yourself and all this? I'm kind of, it's the question I'm asking all the lads <laughs> really who come on the show, you know, is, you know, what are you doing outside of rugby? Are you prepping anything for, for when you finish? Yeah, I was lucky, you know, when I was in Leinster, there was, you know, lots of guys doing stuff outside, like the likes of Jamie, Jamie Heaslip and, and, and Owen Redden, you know, Studying, studying uh, further. Sean O'Brien, you know, was always uh, had his eye on business elsewhere, and like they gave me good advice to make sure that I was, um, you know, keeping my options open for when. Do you have a few things going? You're kind of entrepreneurial, but have you got a, a something with your with your friends as well? Is like a kind of a well, obviously, so it, it's a business thing, but it's, yeah. it's not just a friendly thing. But it's something to do with. Uh, what yeah, you so I was, I was involved. Um, Initially in in fantasy rugger, which was you know like the fantasy. Oh yeah, soccer. yeah, yeah. I remember so. I was at the launch with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> in 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 the Madigan's pub as well in yeah, horse shows. Yeah, so you yeah. were getting a couple of a couple of quid from the points as well. well unbelievable. <laughs> a bit of business acumen. Doubled about up. It. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, the fantasy rugby was yeah you know, that was a you know a great experience and it, you know grew over a uh, space of about two years, two and a half years, and we 
you know, a hundred thousand people playing the game. Uh, that subsequently got bought by a crowd called Rugby Pass, mm. um, and now the the company's gone a different direction. And with, with the GDPR regulations coming in, we've um, we've set up a company called Data Ships um, to um, give uh, uh, to equip companies with the um, data access gateway, which allows them to be data compliant. So it's basically a tool that sits on their website. Um, and it gives customers back control of their data. Right. So let's get that into the bank, Matt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think the bank might be too yeah. big for us. <laughs> our main. Yeah, yeah. 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 Listen, yeah. don't set a ceiling on this stuff. No, but no. Our, our, our main, how, yeah. how do you find that stuff? Do you find it interesting being involved in the business? And obviously, you have a few pals who are uh, kind of running the day to day for you. But are you interested in, in 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 getting involved in this stuff? Is that something that keeps you? It gets you away from the game and keeps you kind of, I suppose, grounded a little bit. Yeah, I really enjoy it. You know, I'd be onto onto the. There's two guys who I was in school with who are the main guys who run it, um, and I'd be in contact with them. You know, every week getting updates and um, throwing in, you know, my my tuppence on on uh, you know the direction that the company company's going and. Um, you know, when I come back, I drop the coffees in and <laughs> collect the bins. Yeah. And watch, <laughs> watch. I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah. um, um, but it is—it's important to get a, a, a like get an understanding of what goes on outside of rugby. You know, and it's great to see that that you're doing that because I think you know it's, it can be difficult, very difficult to make the transition. You know, and to keep your foot in both worlds. Look at I think Jamie Heesop and, and Owen Redden, Kevin Kevin McLaughlin, uh, Paul O'Connell, of course, the guy who does it really well. Doug Howlett was another guy who does, does it really well. Um, it's really important to have, and I actually think it probably makes you probably a better rugby player. I think having a bit of access to, to the business world um, will, will do that for you because it keeps you grounded. You know? Yeah, and it gives bit, you an idea, yeah. and and because it, it can be very removed. You're in a little bit of a, uh, it gets kind of a hermit kind of lifestyle a bit, <laughs> and it can be playing a professional rugby because you're in a little, you know, you're in a little bubble all the time. Uh, you know, focusing on the matches, focusing on performing, getting the body right, but. Um, I mean, do you find it stimulating? Are you learning lots doing it still? Yeah, I really enjoy that side of it. You know, it, it is a switch off. And, you know, even this week, we're, you know, we're doing doing a launch tomorrow night. So you're, you're coming back, you're organising that, you're inviting people along. Um, you're not just talking about rugby, you know, mm. you're giving, you know, having conversations about, you know, not the most exciting thing <laughs> in, G, in GDPR. <laughs> but, uh, no, it is. It, it, it's, it's, it's been very exciting and it's something that, I've, you know, I'm very proud of. I, you know, the, the work the guys have done in the, in the company is brilliant and, you know, um, please God, we'll get pl- plenty of sign-ups and, and it'll be a, a great success. So for anyone out there listening, it's um, Dataships is the company and uh, if you have any questions on the GDPR, you can email us on hello at dataships.io um, and we will look forward to talking oh, to you. It's mainly yeah, for... Look uh, at that, a little pitch and everything. Yeah, How'd it go? Are yeah. you, you happy with the pitch? Uh, yeah, first first pitch. <laughs> I've seen you we'll do see worse on the ones. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, that's great to hear. Listen, thanks a million for coming in. I know from myself and Will, it's uh, been a great year, hasn't it? Fantastic year. Enjoys? 43 podcasts, as I said, 821,000. I'm doing my Million? own pitch now. Inspired by Ian. 821,000 listens on SoundCloud. Yeah. So, you know, we've got to set off into like in, in in the dark a little bit we didn't really we, we had did, an idea yeah. we, we i suppose last year we were like ian and you 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 came on a, a few times last year as well but um like it's kind of when you try something new it's it's great like i think we well, had it's a funny fun. to watch it grow from the first one to mm. now you know like that we had sean o'brien on for the first episode it seems like a long time ago now like we were talking about the lion store which again seems like and we it was funny we actually had loads of good information throughout the year really because all oh, the stuff about gatlin came out uh, in our show, yeah. but actually got picked up on a on a different publication because we'd only just started. But yeah. it was, uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. Like, and I think as well. Like, uh, uh, look, uh, what I would say is I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, 
because we were kind of, I mean, Will is Mr. He, he's keeping the show on the road, really, and Gav, of course, as well, the experienced campaigners. But it was a first for me. Uh, I've really enjoyed the format. I've loved engaging with everyone who's been listening and keeping in touch with all the guys. And uh, big thanks to, to all, the, all the fellas who, who came on. We'd have to try and, you know, expand it probably out a little bit next year. We'd love to get some of the girls on the show as well. I think... Um, we probably missed an opportunity, but it was. I suppose the the, the test series in Australia was so uh, kind of all consuming. We'd kind of Simon Zebo heading off to France, but we would love to get a few of the girls on before uh, probably November and Six Nations. Um, so we, 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 we would like to we'll do that. To live up to next year. Yeah, you know? but we'll try we'll maybe get a few guys from different sports. We kind of touched on it with Keno Sullivan last year. We'd love to get maybe one or two of the golfers on. I'm going to try and tap up a few of those guys because uh, that's really interesting. I think we get a few different viewpoints. So. Thanks again for everyone listening. Thanks to all the lads who contributed uh, and, and gave us their time. And uh, to Will and Gav, the, the, the man behind uh, behind the show, we couldn't do it without you. Well, if your contract isn't renewed, this could be the last one we ever Well, have. of course, so thanks to me. That's why I'm getting all the thanks out. But <laughs> thanks to everyone listening and thanks to you guys. It was, it was, a, it was a pleasure doing it with... Uh, Going through um, the, the show with we, you guys. We might have Ian on for a fourth time, perhaps. It with Bristol go well next year in the Definitely no, even to go badly, even better. <laughs> <laughs> even better. <laughs> yeah, we get him when he's panicked. Yeah, he'll say something, he'll say anything. No, but thanks to me, honestly. And best look with with, uh, with with Bristol next year. I think it's been like it's a, it's a really exciting project to be starting something from. I think the ground up uh, to to coin a Connacht expression. Um, and I think um, you know. It is really exciting to be doing that, and I really hope you go well. And uh, best to Pat and and to to Mull as well, both really good guys. So um, we hope to see you guys at the top of the Premiership next year. Brilliant! Thanks, million for having me in. Let's go Bears! Yeah, go Bears! Go, go Bears! <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for the season on the left wing. Thank you so much for listening each and every week. We've had an absolutely brilliant time bringing you this podcast, and we can't wait to return next year with another series of great podcasts. And in the meantime, if you'd like to listen to our back catalogue, you can do so by subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud or listening on independent.ie. So until next season, thanks so much for listening and goodbye. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of The Left Wing with Luke Fitzgerald.